Christ. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am warm. Through the storm. Let's try it one more time. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I took my ear out so I could hear you better now. I hope everyone had a good week. I'm glad to see you all in here. We have been just getting ready for our time with Jesus this morning. Are you guys ready to spend time with the Lord this morning? This is a time we should be excited because we get to come together as brothers and sisters and spend time together with him. So I'm excited about it. Anybody else? Amen. Oh, there we go. Jeff's got me on now. Good. I'm glad. Well, let's stand together and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come in and ask him to just dwell with us this morning. Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you. Thank you for this morning, Jesus. Thank you for the sun that just came in through my window this morning and landed on my face just like a, a welcome from you saying, good morning. I have a whole day prepared. Let's get up and go. I thank you for that, Lord, and I thank you for the fact that you love us and that you've been just waiting for us to arrive, Jesus. I pray that your spirit feels welcome here this morning and that you just come in and make yourself known to us, Lord. I pray that we're open to you this morning, and I pray, Jesus, that our praises and our worship is honoring to you and pleasing to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us, Jesus. And we just want to spend time with you. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship.
Good morning and welcome to Woodland Park Nazarene. You guys can have a seat really quick if you can. That was a fun way to get started this morning. Are you excited to be here? We hope you are. Super welcome to those of you, this is your first time here, or if you've been kind of just checking it out the last few weeks, hey, Pastor Dale and I, we're new too, so we get that. We know what that's like to kind of come in and check it out. We hope you feel welcomed, and we hope that you're getting the information that you're looking for. But most of all, you know we are so glad that you're here today. Um, we hope you got some information. We have this that you can check out, and connect card. We need to be getting information. If we don't have your information, please fill this out and drop it in the offering plate or in the boxes that's in the uh, lobby. And uh, we would love to be able to connect with you, especially if you're new. Um, we would love to be able to do that. So please take advantage. So last Friday night, uh, ladies, we had such a great time, did we not? Have you got to be here for ladies' night? It was fun to just hang out, get to know one another, <laughs> laugh, be silly, um, have some really great food. You all know how to bring the snacks, let me tell you. And um, it was super fun. If you did not be a part of that, that's okay. We're going to do more of these pretty regularly to help us build up our just connections and learning how to love one another and just get to know one another. That's really where it starts. So we're excited about that. And just to add to, for women, um, there is a retreat that our district does every year. And this year, I know it's really close, just down the road over here at Goldenville, but uh, we have a fantastic um, speaker coming. And I've been invited to be a part of the leadership team, and I'm really excited about that. So I'm helping them really get this going. There's an information card that you got today. There's some information out there. If you have questions, come see me. But if you can go to this time, this weekend, it's going to be awesome. And I would love to see us ladies show up and just let God speak to you because he has something for you that weekend specially. So if you have any questions, let me know. And, yeah, that's, um, that's the, I think, all the announcements I have. So we um, are excited today that we have our kids in the service, right? So our kids are hanging out with us today, and we're so thankful for them. We're thankful for how we're seeing God move here this summer just in a few weeks. Pastor Dale and I have been here. We're excited about what's coming up in the future, and we are just excited that you guys are a part of that. And a part of that is, is, is your giving and your gifting of just what God has blessed you with, that, that tithe, that blessing. And we're just thankful for that. We're thankful for you guys being faithful through your transition through these last couple of years you guys have been through. Thank you. Thank you. So as the ushers come forward, I just want to remind you of just the ways you can give. Continue giving here for our ministry to our community and here that we're trying to do and begin to get started. And our kids are such an important piece of that. We're going to be seeing some things happening in the kids' ministry really soon. Super excited about that. And here's your ways up on the screen. You can text give. Um, you can do it online, um, wpnaz.com. Great place to give. Pastor Dell and I just got our thing set up. It's super easy, safe, so you can give that way as well. But we just want to just thank the Lord this morning for our time together and just being God. We're just so thankful. So let's pray this morning. God, thank you. You are awesome. You deserve our highest praise. We're just singing about your grace and how we need it every day. God, help us never forget that. We're thankful for how you bless our lives. Thankful to be here, this beautiful place. God, there's so many things to be thankful for. So this morning, the people in this room, I don't know very many. I don't know where they've come from. I don't know the weight that they're bearing. 
maybe the, the financial issues that are even going on, God. I just pray for each person in this room. And as they search their heart this morning, that you would speak so clearly. And as we give of ourselves and our gift into you, God, would you just bless it and multiply it like only you can. And we will never fail to give you all the glory and honor you so deserve. In your name I pray. Amen. looking out and seeing all of your faces and how you smile back at me. That just brings joy to my heart. I just looked at like five people and they all smiled right back at me and that's just so wonderful. I hope you get that too. So <laughs> there you go. We're going to continue to worship. So once the offering plates have gone by, feel free to stand up or whatever the Lord leads you to do, but let's spend some time with him together. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. To show you my weakness and my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Nothing. 
face down on the floor, all to echo holy is the Lord. My heart can't help but sing with all of heaven's roar.
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, you made a way when we didn't deserve it. You knew what was coming. You knew with each of us what was coming. And you supplied the blood to cover us completely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Jesus, Father, you loved us so much. I think it just kind of goes over our heads sometimes, Lord, just how much you love us. But would you make that real today in our hearts and in our minds? And the next step we take forward, remind us that you gave it to us. Lord, I thank you for your presence here this morning. None of this is worth anything if you're not here and you're not in the middle of it. So, Lord, come in even more, Holy Spirit. Walk these aisles, sit in these seats, hold each person and each soul in here. You know right where they're at. You know exactly what they need to hear today. So minister to them and talk to them, and I pray that you will just anoint Pastor Dale as he gets ready to bring us the word. Lord, let him bring it to us boldly. Let him say hard things to us that we need to hear. And Father, I pray that we'll receive it and apply it the way that you want us to in our own little worlds that we have and in the, in the bigger world that we're all working together to bring people to know what a loving, incredible Father we have. So Lord, we love you. I pray that these offerings that we've given you this morning of, of praise and worship have been pleasing to your ear and have gone right to your heart. So connect our heart to yours now, Jesus. And we just give you the rest of this morning, Lord. We love you so much. And we thank you for being here, Father. And all of your children said, Amen. You may be seated. The purpose of Land Nav is uh, so that we can find our, uh, our, our way.
that if uh, if the video wasn't energetic enough, my entrance would have been. So <laughs> if you're not awake by now, I don't know what we can do to help that. But uh, good morning. It's great to have you in church. Great to have you in worship. And uh, I'm Dale uh, Butler, by the way. And uh, we're starting a new series this this week, and I got a couple questions as we as we kind of enter in this thing together. How many of you are grandparents? Would you just show me your hands? Awesome. Um, how many of you are just parents? Can I see your hands? All right, very very good. How many of you have parents? Uh, anybody in here? Good. That should cover just about everybody. Okay, good. All right. Well, hey, so. Um, if you answered yes to any of those, uh, my, my, my question is, do you remember um, in, in, in your family uh, dynamics, do you remember agreeing with or getting along with your family 100% of the time? As hard as I can remember back, I don't remember that in my family. If you, if you have that, that's so awesome. But, but for me, I, I, don't, I don't remember of that. And, and really, the answer is probably no. <laughs> the, the answer has to be no. You did not agree with your family all the time. Does that mean that, that you weren't family when you disagreed? Of course not. Did, did that uh, mean that you no longer loved them or that you were no longer a part of their family? No, uh, uh, of course not. Now, it might have meant when you were not agreeing with one another. It may have meant that you wanted to lovingly inflict some sort of pain into you know, the face of the family member that you were disagreeing with, but it never meant that you were no longer connected. Why? Well, because you're family. Because you, you love them. Because you have a common denominator and you have shared goals. Um, just just a little over, uh, well, this is my sixth week here as your pastor. So just a little, uh, right at seven weeks, um, we moved in and we began this journey together, uh, you and, and I. And I want to take the, the first few months as we're getting to know one another, as we're kind of learning about each other, I want to take the first few months to, to really kind of set the bar um, set the pace, set the tone of, of who I am and, and who um, I'm or what I'm about. And really what I want you to know that or what I believe that God wants us to be about the church. You've had other lead pastors. And I've led other congregations. Um, one, one day maybe you'll have a different lead pastor. Chances are you will if Jesus doesn't come back first. And maybe one day I'll lead another congregation. I don't know. I hope not. I hope I get to retire from here. That's, you know, 25 or 30 years from now since I'm only, you know, I'm a young man. But, uh, but, but, the, but the truth is we, we, we've had other leaders and we've had other leadership. But God has chosen in his infinite wisdom, God has put us together on this train for this season to accomplish some very specific things. What are those things? I don't know. That's why it's so exciting. We just don't know what God has in store. But what I do know, however, I, I do know that, it is, that before we're able to ascertain what those things are, what those um, tasks are or the projects or the, the ministry goals, before we know what those should be, we need to make sure that we have a good understanding of what the church, God's church, is really supposed to be about. Because you have opinions 
and I have opinions. But unless we're collectively in line with what God's opinion is, unless we're collectively about what His intentions are for the church, we're just doing busy work. And no one wants to do busy work when there are things to get done, when there are meaningful things to get done, when there are eternal things to get done. Nobody wants to be just busy. Um, that video that, that, you, that you saw, there are several pictures of, of um, what's called land navigation. Um, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you probably know that, that two of my boys are in the military. I don't know how they got that. I was never in the military. But, but two of my boys in the military, one in the Army, one in the Navy, and, and the one in the Army, um, during his training, he had a, 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 a big role to learn, and that was land navigation. It was a skill that everybody learns if you're an officer in the United States Army. You have to learn how to navigate the land. You have to navigate the terrain. And, and my son learned how to do that. And we've kind of talked a little bit back and forth, and he's way over my level of understanding about how this goes. But he taught me a little bit about land navigation. And, and I've done a little bit of homework, but, but there are three things that you really need when it comes to learning how to navigate. If you, were, if you know how to nav, um, land nav, um, you, we could drop you in, into the middle of nowhere and you could find your way out if you had three basic tools. One would be a, a topographical map that's marked correctly. You have the topography of the land, that's the first tool. The second tool would be a, a, a protractor or, or a, a, um, a compass. Um, if you have that, you're, you're well on your way. And the third tool is just some kind of writing instrument. If you have those three tools, you can learn how to navigate through um, terrain that you may not be familiar with. And this morning, I, as we begin our new series together, I, I want to share with you I, I, what I believe are three tools that, that we need, any church really, needs when it talks about navigating through some territory that maybe we've never been through before. And you have never been here before. And neither have I. It's, it's new water. And after COVID happened, all of it is new, right? Navigating through what God has, has called us to be as a church here in Woodland Park, it's all new. So I, I believe there are three specific tools that the church needs um, as it tries to navigate through um, this, this terrain. And, and the first one is this. Oops, I, I may be backwards. Let me get right here. What does, the, what does a good church look like? First tool that we're going to need is we need to know what a good church looks like. Secondly, the question would be, what, what is God doing in the world? Not what you prefer Him to be doing, or, or maybe even what, what you on your best day hope that He's doing, but what is it that God is trying to accomplish in the world? That's the second question. And the third question is, what does a good church that understands what God is doing in the world look like? So, so what does a good church look like? What is God doing in the world? And what does a good church that understands what God is doing in the world look like? Three tools that we have. Now I'm going to go back real fast because I've got a, there it is right there. Good, I want to be right there. So don't, that's my mistake. It's not the technical people's mistake, my mistake. So as we look at these, 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 these questions, what we can do is we can probably surmise and we can gather up a list of all the things that we think a good church should have or what a good church should look like. We can try and gather up this list because odds are, if you've been around the church any length of time, you already know what a church should be doing or what a good church looks like. You probably already have a good idea. If you've been around the church for any length of time, you already know what a good church should be about. 
And, and the truth of the matter is, is that even those who don't believe in Jesus or don't go to church probably know what a good church should be about. That's not the hard part. So we can get a, a list going. You and I, we can gather a list together, but I don't think that, that would be very helpful for us. We need to go a little deeper than just to-do lists. We need to go a little bit further into um, the workings of this than just what do you want to get done. Because what you may not know, or what seems to be a little fuzzy for churched people, is that there's a direct correlation between the church and you. And this can be a little bit of a, of a tricky pill to have to swallow, but, 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 the, but the truth is that, that there's a direct correlation between the church and you. The local church is as good as you are good. The local church is as strong as you are strong. The local church is as effective as you are effective because, you already know this, you are the church. You are the church. The church is the sum of its parts, which if you sit for a moment and take inventory of your life, you're thinking, oh man, that's scary. It can be scary. The church is, is as good as you are good. Now, what's also true is that the church is bigger than you. The church will never lose. It belongs to God, therefore it's beyond you and it's beyond me. But, in a very um, real, pragmatic, practical, simplified version, the church, on the street, in the, in the alleys, in the hospitals, in the stadiums, in the schools, in the nursing homes, and in the neighborhoods, the church, in the everyday, is you and me. Which introduces what I, I think, what I believe is one of the most profound, least talked about, yet fundamental basics of ecclesiology. This brings about a, a conversation that, that is probably one of the fundamental things that, that we never really talk about, is that the church, you and I, are very interdependent upon one another. Totally relying on Christ, totally relying on Him, the head of the church, to fill in all the gaps, but very dependent on each other to fulfill the responsibility that has been given to the church here in Woodland Park and around the world. And so, without any hesitation, I've said this before, I'll say it again, we're in this together. We're um, a community. We're a, a tribe. We're a, a family. And if you don't believe me, I brought some proof this morning. There was a man in the New Testament whose name was Saul, and he grew up in a very um, learned, educated home. As a matter of fact, he probably knew more about um, the, the, the Judaic uh, word, the Torah, than almost anybody. Very wise, very smart. And Saul took it upon himself. He thought it was his responsibility to squash this new way that Jesus had begun. He just couldn't see it. He thought that Jesus had brought in a, a, a false gospel. And so Saul took it upon himself to, to crush or to, to, to attempt to crush the church. And so Saul, um, he was a self-ruled, career-driven, Christian hunter turned Jesus follower. One day Jesus met him and it changed everything. And so Saul became Paul, a missionary and a prolific church planter. 
This Saul, who we know as Paul, describes the church this way. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in the book of Galatians. And it, he describes it this, this way. Where am I going here? There it is, right here. Chapter 3, Galatians 3, verse 26. It says this, church. For you are all children of God. Through faith. In Christ Jesus. You are all children of God. We're all God's children. Hence number one. If, if you're a child of God, then we're related. We're family. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism. If you haven't um, been baptized, if you've believed on Jesus for your, for your salvation and you've not been baptized, you need to be. Please, please find me. I would love to baptize you. But Paul's saying all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Just like putting on a new set of clothing, you have put on Christ. Therefore, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For you are all one under the banner of Christ Jesus. Paul comes up with this unbelievable idea of what it means to be a believer in church. He calls it a family. We're family. Now, it's, it's a weird family, but it is family. We, we have our, our quirks, but we're a family. We're a community of God's people joining together, responsible to and responsible for each other. Which sounds really warm and, and fuzzy, except sometimes it isn't warm and fuzzy. Because we, have all, we all have ideas, we all have opinions about what it is that the church should be about or should be doing. And so the, the community, this idea of family, is always in jeopardy of breaking down. Always on, on, the, on the verge. Unless. Unless we recognize a tiny little truth. It's, a, it's just a small little truth, but it is a giant truth that sometimes gets lost in all the shuffle of churchdom. This tiny little truth sounds something like this. We're children of God. We've already talked about that. We're a family. We understand that now. But we're, we're children of God that have been called out. Greek word there is ecclesia. That's what the church is. We've been called out, separated from the rest of the world. And here's the, here's the one that, that sometimes we, we don't do a very good job of understanding. We've been called out for a cause. And it's the cause that makes all the difference in the world. There's a pastor. He's an author. Um, he has a pretty decent-sized church in, in California by the name of Erwin Manis. Um, I believe it's Mosaic Church. But he has this, this quote I want to share with you. He said, healthy community flows out of a united cause, not the other way around. Jesus called his disciples and said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. This was not an offer of community. Follow me and I will give you something worthy to give your life to is a statement of cause. When they, the disciples, and you and I together today, when they, be, when they came to the cause, they found community like they never knew could exist. 
the cause that makes the difference. And I don't want you to miss this. It's easy to miss. Millions upon millions of people have missed this, but I I don't want you to miss that. Be, Be above average. Don't miss this. The cause is what oils the engine of the community. It's the cause that really holds us together, not the other way around. The cause is what oils the engine of the community. You're looking at a picture of a combustible engine. If you drive a car, this is what's happening in your car when you drive. Not an electric car, an internal combustion car. You see what's going on there? There's fire exploding in the pistons of your car inside of those chambers. If, if there wasn't some kind of lubricant inside of those chambers, that engine would melt. You have to put oil in your car. Well, I have a little girl. She's not so little. She's 23. And, and one of my biggest challenges with, with my daughter is, honey, have you, have you checked your oil? Because <laughs> if you don't check your oil, it'll get really dirty. And if it's really dirty, it's not doing the job of, of lubricating the engine. And if the engine it gets hot, it'll melt. And if the engine drops out, your dad does not have enough money to buy you a new car. So please keep the engine clean. In your car, if you don't keep the engine going, or if you don't keep the oil moving in the engine, the engine's going to quit on you. And in the church, likewise, it's the cause that oils the engine of the community. Without the cause of Christ, we're just another civic organization. Without the cause of Christ and, and, and His uh, um, example in our life, we're just another club. We're a dysfunctional um, family with no purpose without the cause. It's the cause of Christ that lubricates the engine of his community, the cause of Christ that greases the moving parts of the community. And it's his cause, his mission in the world that no one else should die and spend eternity without God. That's the mission. I'll say it again because I didn't get any amends on that one. The cause of Christ is that no one should die and spend eternity without God. Right? We just, no one should have to go to hell without God. And it demonstrates, this cause demonstrates itself in two primary ways. Discipleship and evangelism. Or if you prefer it another way, it's this cause, caring for each other in here, inside of the community of God, and working our way into the broken lives of people disconnected from Christ out there. Discipleship. Evangelism. Loving, taking care of each other in here, working our way into the broken lives of people who are disconnected from Christ out there. The cause. And you can get mad at me if you want. But sometimes, most of the time, we, we forget about the second part. Or, or at best, we leave it for somebody else to handle. We do a pretty good job, I think, of taking care of us, but, but, but not so much of advancing the cause of Christ outwardly. And Jesus, one afternoon, he was teaching and edifying the, his followers. He happened to have a conversation with a young man who was smart. I think um, someone said he's very learned. Somebody told me one time he's a, an attorney. I don't know that to be true, but, but it was a a smart man who, who began to come up and ask Jesus some pointed questions about what it is that Jesus was all about. And, 
and what the, what the kingdom was all about and what the most important thing was in the kingdom. And you probably remember some of this conversation. Jesus said, well, um, love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And, and the smart young man said, good, I was hoping you'd say that because his next question was, well, then who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, I'm so glad that you asked. And he goes into a conversation, a dialogue, a story about a man who had fallen by the wayside and religious people had walked by and all kinds of people had walked by and eventually one of um, a, sw- a sworn enemy of this Jew came by and took care of him. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. He said, basically, do you want to know who your neighbor is? Everybody. You want to know who you should be looking out for? Everybody. You want to know who you should be paying attention to and praying for and asking God for opportunities to interact with and maybe offer some help to? Everybody. Who's your neighbor? So how well do you know your neighbors? I, I did some, some, some research on my new hometown I love my new hometown, by the way. People ask me all the time, Dale, how are you guys getting, are you acclimating? Are you? I'm like, big smile on my face. I love my new hometown. I love this church. I, 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 I pinch myself every day. So I, 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 I'm doing some homework on my new hometown, and, and you may or may not find statistics interesting. I, I love statistics. I know you can make them say whatever you want them to say, but, but I do. I love statistics, and they can be manipulated, but... But, but just by themselves, numbers fascinate me. So I, I did, I did some, some, some little bit of research, and I, I maybe overdid it, but just bear with me. How, how, do you know your neighbors? Um, Woodland Park happens to be the 62nd largest city in Colorado. Some people are like, good, let's make it 162nd. Others are like, well, can, can we get under 50? I don't know. But we're the 62nd largest city in, in, in Colorado, the 3,644th largest in the U.S., so go Woodland Park. Currently, we have 8,067 souls in the approximate seven square miles of our first city. That equates roughly to 1,214 people in every square mile. So within a mile of this, 1,200 people right here, statistically. Um, We're growing annually to about a half a percent, which doesn't sound like a lot. No big deal, right? But, but this means about 8,200 people by 2025, which is not too far off. And if you were to look back 10 years in 2013, the population was just 7416. We're, we're growing. I hear some amens and I heard some scuttles. I don't know what, how you feel about that, but that's where we are. But let me tell you about your neighbors. The, the average household income in Woodland Park is um, $92,000. If you make $92,000 or more, good for you. If you don't, I don't know what that means. That's just the statistics I found. We have a poverty rate of 9%. So if you did the quick math, that's about 800 people who live below the poverty line. What does poverty mean? Well, a family of three would have to live on $23,000 or less to be in poverty. And that's not a lot of money in this day and age. 800 people in our fair city live that way. 24% of Woodland Park residents were born in Woodland Park. So one out of every four, good for you. I love my city. Did I tell you that already? I love it here. 98.5% of us were born in the U.S., which is probably why we're so patriotic. 
Only one and a half percent of our fair city lives or was born outside of the U.S. Um, speaking of patriotic, our military veterans, I just have to ask. I know we're online. So I don't want to stretch this out, but um, any guesses as to the, the, the statistic population of veterans in our, in our community? Any, any guesses? Give me a number. What, what did you say? 45? Not, how much did you say? 90? Okay, anybody else? 12%? All right. We have a cheater amongst us because the, the number is 12.5%. Good guess. That may surprise you, but, it, but this is, I pulled this from a government uh, statistic page. And you know, gov government doesn't lie. So 12%, 12% of our population uh, are the uh, military veterans. Okay, here we go. Median age is 44. 31% of us are between 55 and 80. 36% of us are between 25 and 55. Young pups unite. An overwhelming majority of our community, uh, of our community is, is uh, white or Anglo, 92.5%. We're educated. Almost 62% of us have an associate degree or higher. 59% or nearly 59% are married. 9.9% are divorced. So what do these statistics tell you about the community that our church is in? I don't know. I really don't. I, I don't, I don't I'm not a statistician. I just bring you the numbers. I don't know what these statistics mean. I, I, don't, I don't know if, if they correlate to anything, but I do know roughly 25% of our community absolutely have, are, are disconnected from Jesus in spite of the reality that the church, not this church, but that church, has been on the ground in Woodland Park for almost 150 years. 25%. One in four. Go to the grocery and start counting people. Completely disconnected from Jesus. Completely um, apart from Him. And so that statistic tells me that we have work to do. That the job is, is not complete. We have things to do. And so this, this fall, um, the, the church staff and the church board and myself, um, early September, I think we're going to have a mini retreat. We, we want to make sure that we're crystal clear on the cause. We don't want to get too far down the road before we're 100% on what the mission of God's church is and the vision to achieve that. We don't want to miss diagnose. We don't want to go too far down one way and figure out, oh, that's not what we need to be doing. We want to make sure that we're doing what God has designed our little church to do. The why and, and, and the how of Woodland Park Nazarene. And in addition to, to nailing that down, we're hopefully going to come up with one or two objectives that we as a church are going to unite behind and really kind of major on for the rest of 2023. By the time that we have this retreat, we'll have three months left in 2023. So we'll get aggressive. We're going to come up with one or two big ideas that we want to get behind and, 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 and make sure that we're doing correctly. And if you have some ideas, if you're not on the church board, and you have some ideas that, that, that you would like to, you know, get on the plate, why don't you take a board member out? And all the board members said, sure, take me out for food. Take a board member out. Why don't you let them know what it is that God's put on your heart. Share it with them. But I'll just be up front with you. 
we'll, we'll entertain all ideas as long as the goal supports the cause of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you can make lists all day long. Here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. As a church body, if, there's a capital I in that, if we can agree on the cause, then, then we can do great things for God. If. If, if we can't, it's, it's right up there close to paddling down the Arkansas River in four different directions. You'll just go in a circle. If we can agree on the cause, we can accomplish great things for God. If we can get unity on the why and on our individual response to the why, there's part of that too. If we can do that, if we can have um, ourselves get unity behind the why, the how becomes just personal preference. I should say that again. If we can get unity on the why, the how then becomes just personal preference. And to be honest, God's Spirit can transform our hearts so radically that we'll even endure suffering if we're convinced that it's God's will. And you read through your New Testament and find that to be true. You can endure anything. If you believe that God's in it, and he's leading you, and he's with you. There's a gentleman who believed that, except he wasn't a Christian. As a matter of fact, he was anti-Christian. His name was Frederick Nietzsche. He was um, uh, uh, active as a philosopher in the mid to late 19th century. They consider him esoteric moralists as a philosopher brilliant mind. Nietzsche was born into a Lutheran home, clergy on both sides of the aisle, and yet he involved into one of the staunchest haters of Christianity. Nietzsche believed, though, in this idea that, that it doesn't matter how we get things done as long as you believe in the why. This was his famous quote, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Nietzsche believed that, but you know who else believed that? The Apostle Paul believed that. You just kind of have to look at his life to see how that panned out. He was treated badly for the gospel. And yet, look at his fruit. Nearly two-thirds of the New Testament written by the hand of Paul. All the churches that he planted and then the churches that they planted, and the churches that they planted past that, and then on, and so on and so forth. And we're, we're here because of Paul's church planting efforts. He endured. Jesus Christ endured. Something terrible for us. We can believe all if we believe that God's in it. So what if? What if? What if we would commit to discovering, in internalizing, memorizing, living, eating, breathing, and acting out on the cause, the mission of Christ? 
If we could do that, what would happen? What if we could memorize that and internalize that and then just lay back and see where God takes us? See who God brings to us and then witness God do the miraculous if we can get unity behind his conduct. Would you bow your heads and just pray with me for a moment? Jesus, I certainly am thankful for you, for your sacrifice for my sin, for what that means for me and my family, the difference that you've made in my world. Immeasurable. I thank you as, as a pastor called and, and ordained by the Church of the Nazarene. Lord, I, I thank you for what the difference that you've made in, in the denomination that I serve and in our churches worldwide and all the many miracles that we've seen happen and, and the lives changed and, and the communities upended and reorganized according to your purposes. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be a part of a, of a cause, of a mission, one that you died for. Sometimes we, we can get so wrapped up in this sense of personal salvation that you died for me that we, you, we forget that you also died for the person next to me and the person that I run into at the grocery store and the person who flips me off in traffic. You died for them too. You died for your church. The last great hope of the world. And so it's this morning, oh God, that we, we just pray, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to believe in, spirits to hear what it is that you're doing and help us to be brave to join up with you. God, you know the, the history of, of not only this town, but of this church and the, the awesome ministry that's gone on in the years previous to Michelle and I moving here. There's no doubt in my mind that you have even greater days ahead in your heart and in your mind for us. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be brave as we pray for what it is that you would have us to be about in these days until you come back for your church. Help us to be about your business. Help us to be about your cause. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things. Would you guys stand with me for a moment before I say the benediction? Uh, I'm going to call my brother forward. Mike, come on over here, my, my friend. I, we could have you kneel to the altar, stand here. Mike um, is one of my new friends, and um, I, I've come to know him and, and love him in the short time that we've got to know him, but he made a beeline for me this morning. He said, hey, PD, um, my, my eye is really bothering me today. Would you pray for me? Would you anoint me with oil? You know what I did? 
I said, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't know how this is going to work into the schedule. <laughs> Can you believe that? Then the Holy Spirit tagged me and said, this is my brother. Of course. We'll stop the, we'll put the brakes on for this purpose. So I'm going to anoint my brother this morning. I'm going to ask if there are any elders of the church or any Bible-believing followers of Christ that want to come down around and lay hands on Mike. And we're going to pray for him. Just come on down. Don't be, don't be afraid. I want to anoint him in the name of Jesus this morning. And we're going to pray believing. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to, to admit this. I'll, I'll, I'll say this to you. I, I, I love you in the name of the Lord. I don't even know if I know your last name. Ferris. Mike Ferris. Mike Ferris, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I'm anointing you. Jesus in heaven, we pray that your spirit would hear our hearts cry today. We have a brother who is in pain and his eyeball's not working like it should. And so today, God, we call on the Father who created all and who sustains all to heal this man. We trust you enough that if you choose to, to operate in his life in such a way that there's not miraculous healing, we trust you. We've seen that over and over as well. But God, can we just for a moment ask you in the name of Jesus that you would touch his body. Help him as he seeks after your face, after he lives according to your holy word. I pray that you would bless his heart and bless his mind and bless his body we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask, oh God, touch him. In the name of Christ, we ask. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. And in the benediction this morning is this. May God bless you. And may he keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you. And may the holy, heavenly Father do what no one else or nothing else can do on this side of eternity. Give you peace that will pass your own understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Say